Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. We continue this week in our uh, Spiritual Discipline series. Uh, After last week, Pastor Seth uh, brought us into the outward uh, spiritual disciplines, looking directly at the fact that sometimes within the context of spiritual disciplines, there are inward focuses where it's a relationship with us and God and we're moving forward. Outward in a lot of ways are how we change, how we move, how we, we transition from just what's happening within us to pouring out into others and into this, uh, as we just sang about, this Father's world that we live in. I want to start today by reading the passage. It's uh, John chapter 13. It'll be on the, the screen behind me, but also feel free to, uh, to open up your Bible there or, or pull it up on your smart device. I'll give you just a moment. This is uh, an interesting transition in Jesus's ministry. He's going from a place of miracles, a place of teaching, a place of preaching to, to so to speak, setting the table figuratively and literally here uh, with his disciples Uh, to be able to step into this last phase of his ministry, which is the greatest passion we've ever seen. Chapter 13, starting in verse 1, and it reads like this in its entirety. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He called to Simon Peter, for he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet, Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and and that was why he said not everyone was clean. Verse 12, when he was finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. In verse 17, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Pray with me for a moment. Heavenly Father, we come to you now thanking you for your word. 
We thank you for your truth. We thank you for the revelation you have granted us for this love letter, for this instruction manual. God, for your word that you have granted to us. May we today experience your word afresh and anew. May we be changed and transformed, possibly by a, a passage we've never heard before or one that we've read many, many times. Whatever it might be, Father, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would change us, that you would transform us. God, may this time of worship be a reflection of transformation and an opportunity to experience transformation in a way that only you can grant it. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. As we read through this specific passage, we recognize a, a, a one example, Jesus' example, of what dedicated service actually can look like. Now, certainly not every reflection of dedicated service is that of washing someone's feet. There's many, many types of service that we, we can see, we can experience, that we can facilitate ourselves. And as we look at this context of spiritual disciplines, we recognize that spiritual disciplines are practices that are found in Scripture that promote spiritual growth. Now, inward disciplines in many cases are the being. They are what, what takes place within us. Those disciplines where we engage with God through prayer. We engage with God in a deeper sense. Outward ones are, are typically doing, which this would be a reflection of inward and outward, meaning that, that there's this inward focus, this transformation of being within Jesus, and therefore the outpouring was that to serve those that were around him, even in the context where they didn't fully understand what was taking place. And then finally, we're going to get into forgotten, which fit into each of those categories, but they're specifically spiritual disciplines that we'll look at next month that are found in Scripture but are not practiced nearly as often or talked about nearly as often within our current culture or context. Today, we look at the outward spiritual discipline uh, focused directly on service. And this service that Jesus does today, the service that we read about today, I should say, is one that reflects upon the fact that there is more than just doing in life, this outward focus, but there's also this context of being. What do we learn from this passage? I think that there's many things that you could draw specifically from this passage. There's many things that we could recognize on who Christ is and what he's done for us, but also how we take that and how we work through it. And as we walk through this passage today, I want us to reflect upon the fact that we do so in this anniversary, this remembrance weekend of those who have come before us and even serve, even today, who are literally giving their lives or putting their life on the line for freedom. Jesus specifically was, was, was reflecting upon, and at this point, he was already starting to, to, to reveal the fact that he was going to give his life. He was going to give all he was, not for, 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 for them to be able to experience freedom within the context of their citizenship, but freedom spiritually. I've talked about this before, and I, I hope that it's something that, that resonates within us. Before you, before I knew Jesus, we weren't unhealthy. We weren't in necessarily simply just living in a place where we couldn't do it all ourselves. No, we were literally spiritually dead. There is no life within us. And what Jesus is bringing here is a freedom that, that helps all to recognize, reflect upon, and experience the fact that now, in this moment, we can experience real spiritual life. Something we can only experience through Jesus, through the sacrifice that he grants, and through the service that he demonstrates in this moment with his disciples. 
There's a necessary posture that takes place, something that we need to recognize when it comes to dedicated service. This outward discipline actually begins on the inside. In fact, Matthew 23 reflects upon this context of Jesus talking to the the Pharisees and saying to them that you are like whitewashed tombs. Get this, they were serving, they were doing things, they were out there working, but inwardly they were not focused. Inwardly they were not on, they were not trying to, 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 to bring forth God's message, humbly working for him. Instead, they were working for self. Verse 2 through 5 reads like this. This evening, the, the evening meal was in progress. Back in John 13. The evening, evening meal was in progress. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon, Simon Iscariot, to, to betray Jesus. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> and Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. So he gets he gets the water basin. First, let's let's kind of set the stage. So we've got we've got Jesus here, who two things have taken place. I'm going to grab a chair right here. Is that okay? I'm not going to ask anyone to come sit in it. I don't think, but I'm going to grab a chair. Uh, Unless anybody's really willing to come up here, there's no water in the bucket, so it'll only be symbolic. So he, he, he recognizes the fact two things have taken place here. And we back up. First of all, he already knew that Judas, Judas had been prompted. He knew that one among him, that there were, there were 12 disciples, and one among him was already planning to deceive him, to betray him. And instead of taking a moment before he started this moment of, of, of true humility, instead of taking a moment and saying, okay, uh, the 11 of you are good, uh, you're going to betray me, so I want you to get out first. He took it upon himself to wash all of their feet, even the one who would betray him. You see, I think sometimes, and I can resonate with this, I won't put it on you, but maybe, maybe if the Spirit's leading, you might recognize this. Sometimes it's difficult to serve those who have or you know are going to bite you. And what Jesus is, reflect, is, is revealing right here, illustrating right here, is it doesn't matter where the person stands. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what it looks like or, or what their allegiance is or, or what their, their, their political affiliation is or what they've said to you uh, in person or uh, on, on social media. Instead, what it looks like is this. I'm going to serve you because I love you. The second part of this, which is even more amazing, is the fact that, that, that here John chooses to write this as the Spirit has uh, inspired him to do so. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. Now, I don't know if you recognize this, but in most Hollywood shows, when, when, the, when the ultimate hero has everything under their power, the first order of business isn't to look around at the dirty feet of the people around them. And say, let me clean up all of my servants, all of my followers' feet. Instead, typically, it's let me go sit on the throne and everybody bring me grapes and fan me because I'm, I'm so great, right? Isn't that typically what we see? And Jesus flips that on his head. He says, no, 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 no. Even though I have all the power, I'm going to grab a bucket and I'm going to grab a rag and I'm actually going to take off my outer cloak. And I'm going to use what I'm wearing right now to wash the dirty feet of my disciples, to take on the, the, the lowly place of the servant of the household and to wash the feet of all the people that are actually here to follow me. 
And so Jesus' mission at this point isn't necessarily to be served, but to serve those who have come. His first order of business after he recognizes that God has given him all powers to say, okay, let me get down on this level right here. Not even eye to eye, but below you to wash your feet. Let's kind of put this in context just real quick historically and recognize these disciples, they didn't have the the nice shoes uh, or or the nice roads that we have today. They didn't have cars. Instead, from when they got from point A to point B, they were walking in sandals, sometimes even barefoot on dirt roads. Their feet wouldn't have been the cleanest. Some of you are like, hey, you know what? You know, I didn't didn't get a chance to shower this morning. My feet are kind of gross. I hope Steve didn't ask me to come up and wash my feet. And so we see here, we recognize here that the, the, the fact that this was not even like a, one of those nice, tidy little, oh, here's a depiction of what it might look like. No, th- these feet were dirty. They were gross. They were sweaty. That week before last, I went to youth camp. And let me just say, I had a great time. But at the end of the week, at the end of the week, the last thing that they did at camp was they had a foot washing for all the students to wash each other's feet, all the adults to wash each other's feet, anybody that wanted to. And I can tell you, I kind of... I had some other stuff I had to do. I kind of eased back a little bit. Because I'd seen those kids running around all week. And I didn't see a lot of showering going on. And the pool wasn't working that week. And the chlorine wasn't flowing. And I thought, I don't know if I want to get involved in this. And I've repented about that. But I think about the disciples' feet. And I think about the way that they would eat their meal. For you and I, when we eat a meal, typically we're either, if we're at a table, we're, we're sitting there, we're, 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 we're perched at the, at the table. I'm going to jump up here, this will mess up our camera people real quick. We're, we're sitting at the table and, you know, it's right here. Our feet are down here, they're hidden. They're hidden by the table, they may be hidden by a tablecloth, and nobody, nobody can see that. But let me just say, the way that they would eat at this time, the way that they were eating around the table is they were lounging. And so what that meant, and I'm not going to lay down here, what that meant though is you would lay down, your feet would be in somebody else's face. That's appetizing. And Jesus recognized the need. He recognized the, the dirtiness and symbolically even there, recognized the dirtiness that, that his disciples were living in, the fact that they needed to be cleansed. And instead of saying, okay, Judas, you're the one that's going to betray everybody. Before you go out with a bang, why don't you at least wash our feet? No, he said, I'll do it. I'll wash your feet. I, I love you. I care for you. I, I will do this in a way that, that shows that, that, that what service really is. He came not as a king or, and conqueror, but suffering servant, as Isaiah 53 says. Matthew 20, 28 says that he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The first point is this. Dedicated service requires selfless humility. No humility in it. Obviously, the, the reflection there is it's like a whitewashed tomb. It's like someone who serves for, for their own personal gain. But instead, Christ is saying, because of who he is and the power that he had, as he kneels down on his knees, he says, I love you and I want you to know this service. How does one obtain this, this selfless service? You know, it revolves around a perspective, an eternal perspective, a follower or a disciple perspective, an understanding of who we are and whose we are, who we belong to, which is God. And starting in verse, or back in verse uh, 6, it reads like this, He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And so most of the time in Scripture, as, 
as we read about the disciples, Peter is kind of the spokesperson. And he kind of gets a bad rap a lot of times from, from, from you and I as we read because he's the one that gets listed. But I'm sure that in, in some regard that he's probably representing the thoughts uh, of the others. But he's the one that actually is quoted here. It says, uh, he says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? So he's sitting in the chair. Jesus is going around the table. He's washing everyone's feet. He comes to Peter and Jesus replies at this response, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. And it's almost like that, that parent and child interaction where the child says, can I have another popsicle? And the parent says, no, you can't have one. One day you'll understand. I was told that as a child. I'm still waiting to understand. I still don't know why I couldn't have, why I can't have another popsicle. Verse 8, no said Peter. Remember saying no to Jesus? And sometimes we say no to him kind of sheepishly, like, no, I don't want to wash the youth kids' feet. I'm going to go over here, right? But he was eye to eye with Jesus. No. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Here Jesus is expanding upon this metaphor, this understanding of what it means to receive salvation. What it means to, be, to receive the gift of life through Jesus. Verse 9, then Lord, Simon Peter replied, it's kind of that double down moment. Okay, you give me a, 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 a popsicle and, and it was really good. And, and now that you said you have to wash me, well, then why don't you give me a whole box, right? Or, and, and he says, not just my feet, but my hands, my head as, and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. And it's interesting that, that he makes that distinction. You need to have your feet washed to experience this salvation. Now, this is metaphoric. I'm not claiming right now that if you have your feet washed in a setting like this or any other setting, that that is the means for salvation. What Jesus is saying right now, metaphorically, is that if you receive him, if you experience his salvation, if you, if you receive his gift, his sacrifice for yourself and allow him to be the Lord and, and the, the savior of your life, then you will receive salvation. So don't get me wrong. It's not about a tangible act of foot washing. This is simply symbolic. But what he's expressing to Peter right here is, but at the same time, once you've had this, it's, it's, it's a one-time deal. It's all you need. And then after that, this continuation is about sanctification, holiness, living a life that continues to honor God. And in that, the recognition that he will continue to wash you clean throughout your life as you follow him. Peter was profoundly uncomfortable. He protested Jesus coming and kneeling at his feet and, and taking the, 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 the cloak that he had or the rag that he had to, to wash Peter's dirty feet. And here in this moment, he is, he is expressing this protest. John 13, 8, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Peter was saved, but he wasn't what we would consider, what we would understand as entirely sanctified. He, hadn't, he wasn't completely holy in all facets. Salvation is, is a one-time act of justification by faith, but the lifelong process of sanctification is one of washing from the, from the stain of sin, excuse me, that we experience as we walk through the life in this world. 
Peter and the disciples needed only this temporal cleaning at this point to be recognized. Here Jesus explains a new perspective to his disciples. He explains an an understanding of salvation and sanctification, this new paradigm, this new reflection of seeing things. When I was younger, and I think I've mentioned this here before too, my my mom used to watch, and I would watch them with her, a lot of mystery shows. Perry Mason and and Murder, She Wrote and Matlock, and I used to love watching, especially for those aha moments, and Columbo was the best at that. There's just one more thing, right? This this last little thing, and I remember specifically, and I, I can actually remember the episode. I can remember where I was sitting and watching the episode when this aha moment came that was so mind-blowing in this ridiculous TV show, right, uh, of, of, of Matlock set, uh, figuring out who the killer was. Now, what had taken place earlier is that somebody had been killed in this film room, and they, they turned the dial to a certain place, and person on the screen was obviously the one they were trying to say, this is who uh, came in here and murdered me, right? That's, that's what happened right before their last dying thing that they did. And, and so when you look at it, they thought, oh, well, you look at the screen, and this is the person that's open and, and closed. And, and then as the show goes on, you recognize, no, this person had an alibi. They couldn't have done it. And on the, the, the screen, or on the bottom of the screen, there was this little dial that had these numbers. And for whatever reason, the, kill, or the, the, the victim had turned it to 337. That was the time they put inside, uh, or they put on the screen to see who it was, to see who the person was that killed him. And, and finally, Matlock realized, oh, if I, if I get in this position to see what they were seeing, and he laid down on his back on the floor and looked up at the monitor, the, the 337 actually spelled out Lee. And if your name's Lee in here, I'm not talking about you specifically, but the person who was actually the murderer, the killer, was named Lee. And the perspective changed, this, this reflection changed. And what Jesus is trying to do here is bring forth this new understanding You know, it may appear one way, it may look one way, it may be something that we have focused on or seen or be so obvious. And what he's trying to attempt to to share with his disciples and eventually with all people is there's this, this other way, this new way of looking at it. And the only way to be able to do that is to to put ourselves in a humbling position where we can experience God afresh and anew. And we're standing straight up and looking directly at the screen. We're, we're, we're at our greatest capacity. We're at our greatest place. But instead, when we lay down on the ground, or in, in, in this case, when we kneel down before, we recognize a whole new perspective. Sometimes you might be correcting a child or having to have a conversation with a child, and you get down on one knee, right, to have that conversation. You get down face to face, and there's a new perspective that happens within you as you focus eye to eye with a young person. Or maybe you're, you're visiting someone or you're with someone who's, who's lying in a, in a hospital bed somewhere, and as you sit down with them and you have that conversation, your perspective changes on their plight, on their situation, because of the fact that you're able to be there, sit there, be in that moment with them. Jesus does the work. He he does bring forth the work within this. And he loves us how we come to him, however we come to him. But to understand a perspective of what it means to engage in in a humble act of dedicated service, he loves the way we come to him, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. You can come to God however you want. You can come to God however you are. You don't have to clean it up first or get it all together first, but when you come to God, that's when he can bring forth a change. And he loves you enough 
to do so. Salvation. So here's some, some, some learned and applied. Salvation, when we come to Christ for the washing of our sins, we can be sure that it's permanent and complete. No act can send us further from that sin and actual salvation. Sanctification, but we also have this continual need for cleanliness, to be cleaned and to be brought new. The true greatness in the kingdom is attained by those with a servant's heart. It's a new understanding beyond the temporal. And dedicated service, the second point, dedicated service calibrate, calibrates eternal priorities. The recognition is that when we, when we look at dedicated service beyond just the here and now, we have this eternal perspective, this reflection of what God's doing, this reflection of the way he's moving and he's changing, he's transforming. This calibrates all things. So we recognize it's not just about sitting at a meal uh, or before a meal with the rest of the disciples and getting our feet washed, but instead there's this whole new perspective of what it means to serve and to love and to experience salvation and eventual sanctification. And the response to this understanding of of living in humility and how we get to this humility might be, but what do we do with it? What do you and I do with this this knowledge, this, this understanding of what God has done through the person of Jesus? Because after all, faith without works is dead. Verse 14 reads like this, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, so also... Should so also you should also, excuse me, wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So we're going to transition to the service now. You're all going to get a towel and a basin from the lobby, and you're no, I'm just kidding. But what I will say is we all have opportunity, and you and I know what that opportunity is. Some of you, it came right to your mind as soon as we started talking about this serving, especially somebody that we may not always be aligned with or that we don't always agree with. There's, there's these contexts, these understandings, these, these, these moments where we could serve someone else, whether it's a, a family member that we love or maybe somebody that we don't always agree with, wherever that is in life, and the, and the best way or the only way to serve that person is to get down on one knee and wash their feet. To recognize the fact that the only way to serve in many cases, to be able to experience or to express or to reveal the love of Jesus is to humbly say, I care more about your salvation. I care more about the the eternal destination of your soul than I do my own pride. Than I do not just my own pride, but my own convenience. Because ultimately, sometimes it's not about, oh, I'm too good for that. It's just, I don't have enough time. I've got other things to do. I've got to work on this. I've got to do that. Jesus calls his disciples, us included, to follow his example and to act as a servant leader. And that third point is dedicated service is the call of all believers. When I, when I teach scripture in any way in a, in a uh, lecture format, typically the, the two main contexts within this understanding is there are, there are many times when there is, there is a, an original audience, or almost every time there's an original audience that is for the specific person that it was written to or for at that time. So there's an original audience that received this gospel. But within that, there are also universal principles, meaning principles that are for all believers for all time, for all people. 
And it is a universal principle that Jesus is communicating here that we all should serve. We all should do as he has done. We should all act as servant leaders. There's many different types of calls. Some of you have been called into vocational ministry. Some of you are called into the workforce. Some of you are called for a season or a time, which uh, we have a lifelong calling. Maybe a, a, a season is, is a leading where it's a time that you, you, you serve that same call, whatever it might be. But God has called all of us. And within that context, we recognize that in that place, he has called us to be servant leaders. He has called us to be humble. He has called us to reach out in any way that he desires. All callings, no matter what God's called you to, a teacher or a firefighter or a, or, a, or a parent or whatever it might be, and many of us wear many different hats, whatever it might be, God has called us to serve. Two key, two key or main takeaways from, from this portion, and then we're going to move into uh, a time of, of engaging in, in Holy Communion. Two main takeaways. The first one is this, biblical dedication is a product of eternal devotion. Biblical dedication is a product of eternal devotion. When we have a devotion to the eternal, a devotion to what God is doing and how he's working far beyond the things that are right before us or the things that seem to be right before us, the way that God moves, the way that God changes, even in the way that, that Christ demonstrated this context or this, this, this one example of what it means to be humble and, and to be a servant, in all cases, when we have a, an eternal devotion, we will recognize, we will experience, and we will reflect biblical dedication. And the second one is this, Christ-like service is an outcome of humility. That's the, out, that's the outward from the inward, meaning that when we experience, when we receive, when we, when we, we live out humility, it's seen through Christ-like acts of service. It's interesting to, to foreshadow this, to, to recognize what, what Christ is doing in this moment. He, he has his disciples there, and he has their attention, I'm sure. Now, the rest of them, they never even thought about the fact. There's, it's, it's just nothing in Scripture about any of them kind of having this thought. Maybe I should be the one. I, you know, I, I think I, no, be, you know why that, that's true? You know how we know that? Because they're arguing about who's the greatest. And if you're having an argument about who's the greatest, no one's going to say, well, I'm not the greatest. Not even Judas. I'm not the greatest, so I'll be the one to get the pail and get on out there and I'll... Get your feet in the bucket. Let's go, right? No, no, that's, that's not how it worked. Instead, they were arguing about who was the greatest. And so there was never a thought in their mind about what was going to take place here. And so Jesus said, okay, if none of you are going to do this, then once again, teachable moment, I'm going to show you what it means to serve. I'm going to show you what it means to humble yourself. And so he takes not just the towel that was there, but he takes his cloak off and he comes and he washes their feet. Anybody in here hard-headed? Anybody just want to? few of you are not hard-headed enough or too hard-headed to raise your hand. Thank you for raising your hands. Mine's up from time to time if I'm not too hard-headed to do it, right? Jesus recognizes the disciples are a little bit hard-headed. And while he just did the, the I mean, the most ridiculous, the, just the, this act of washing their feet, after he walked through this moment with them, he recognized, you know what, they still don't fully get it. They still don't fully understand what my mission is, what I'm going to do. I'm not building a castle. There's not a throne that I'm going to sit on here on earth. Instead, I want them to see that my mission is an act of service. And so as Jesus is walking through this time together with the disciples, he says, you know what? I'm going to use some other elements that are here today to be able to express, to reveal, to show what it means to fully experience 
the sacrifice of Jesus. In just a moment, we're going to engage in that once again because not only does Christ call us to continue to serve, just as it says right here, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. He also calls us to do so, to engage in the Lord's Supper in remembrance of Him. And basically what he does is he takes these two elements and he says, I want to use these as a metaphor, as a way to symbolically show the actions that I have taken or that I will take, excuse me, and we see it as a, as a post-sacrifice, uh, so we, we see has taken, but he's showing what he will do so they can experience and know him in a very real and eternal way. Thank you again for spending time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless.